part two of our 2020 uh, series, and I want you to say corrective lenses. Say, say that again. Say corrective lenses. Here's the crazy thing. When I was, when I, was uh, I, I had LASIK surgery done, so I run around here and I don't look like I need glasses, but I actually do need glasses, but I had LASIK surgery done about uh, 20 years ago. And it was a new procedure here in the United States of America about the time, but, uh, but uh, in other countries they had been doing it, and I was one of those guys that, that did it. And, and when I went, he asked me, hey, man, do you wear glasses? And I said, well, I wear contact lenses, and, uh, and you know, I kind of do my life like that. And he said, well, how long have you been wearing contact lenses? I said, well, I've been wearing them since I was a junior in high school. Uh, I, I, as a junior in high school, I got my first pair of glasses. Now, uh, they are trying to determine how long my eyes have been have been uh, uh, off, right? So I said, well, maybe from the time I was in high school. And he says, okay, and he starts to add up the years. And I say, but let me remind you uh, that I probably needed them before then. He said, well, why do you think that? It's because of the conversation that we had with my eye doctor. When I was in about the, the ninth grade or so, I started to move myself closer to the front of the classroom. And, uh, and you know, people are always thinking like, oh, wow, you know, Terrell is so smart. And, you know, he's always at the front of the class. And it, I wasn't at the front of the class because I was so smart. I was at the front of the class because I couldn't see the chalkboard. So I moved closer to the front of the class so that I could see what I could not see from the back because I would have liked to have been the dude in the back seat, really cool, the football athlete that sat in the back and was cool with all the cool kids. But I separated myself from them. Watch this, not because of why I wanted to separate myself. My impairment separated me from them. And now I sat in the front row and I was receiving these accolades because of my impairment. He's so smart, he moved to the front. Look at him, he's in the front row. He's, he's such a smart guy, and I couldn't see the board. So joking around with some kids, I put on this kid's glasses, and I realized, oh my God, I can see better with his glasses on than I can see without these glasses on. So I went home and told my parents, hey, I think I need glasses, and, I, and my mother said, boy, you don't need no glasses. And that was uh, the way that, she interpreted my impairment is that I didn't need an, I didn't need glasses. The reason why she interpreted the fact that I didn't need glasses was because who waits until they're 16 years old before they say they need glasses? We would have diagnosed this or seen this a whole lot sooner in our life, in your life, and now you're just now coming up talking about you need glasses. You don't really need no glasses. And that's the way we treat each other in real life, to be quite honest with you. By the time you start to realize that you're broken or you need some help, the people that are closest to you, like, ain't nothing wrong with you. You be all right. Yeah, you don't treat people like that, but the person next to you treats you like that. By the time you realize that, hey, man, I need some prayer because my heart is broken, they're like, man, you've been so far away from that. What you worrying about? You fine. But the reality of it was is what the doctor said. I told the doctor that I think I just realized, I just, by the time they took me to the doctor, I told the doctor that my eyes are just now starting to change and I need corrective lenses. And the doctor said the higher probability is that your eyes have been bad a long time. You just got used to seeing life blurry. 
You got used to seeing life without it being having any sharpness to it. You got used to seeing life without seeing detail. You got used to seeing life without anything, without there being any crispness to the way that your life goes. And, and, and in reality, by the time I went and got corrective glasses, I realized like, wow, man, I have been doing my life with the blurriness because I could function with blur. And at night, the worst was that the glares when the lights count, when the lights were cars coming at me, the glares would mess me up real bad. But aside from that, I was I was okay. I was fine. I was fine with the except that I just I, I thought that I was seeing and couldn't see. And there's nothing worse than thinking that you're healthy and you're not healthy. Come making making an excuse for your health and you're not healthy. Making an excuse for your brokenness, but thinking that you're healthy when in reality you're actually broken. So I couldn't see, and he said, You need corrective lenses. They gave me these lenses that helped correct where I was impaired, and I was able to see clearly now. And I and the reality is the reason I fell further to the back of the classroom was not because not because I was trying to be such a bad person, but I was more authentic in the middle than I was in the front. It was a truer indication of who I was to be in the middle than it was because I wasn't a back of the room guy and neither was I really a front of the room guy. I became more authentic, watch this, the better my vision got. Y'all ain't talking back to me in here. And God, so we do, we're doing the 2020 vision story so that the uh, sermon so that we can help you walk in the most authentic calling that God has, has for your life. Is that it's no longer okay for you to play the back of the room and not know what's going on in your world. And neither is it okay for you to play the front of the room like you're really interested in the world like that. And it's, but, but it's time for you to get clarity on what God is trying to do in your life and through your life. And the only way that happens is through vision. Somebody shout vision. Somebody shout vision. Biblical vision. If you weren't here last week, I want to make sure you get this instruction, uh, this, this definition. Biblical vision is having a strong sense of what you were meant to do and knowing how you want to perform it. It is having a strong sense of why God created you. This is critical that we understand why God created us. Somebody shout, why God created me. It's important that we understand why God created us and the purpose of what God is trying to do in the life, in my life. You were not put in this earth on accident or by happenstance. I cannot put that out there enough for you to understand. God did not sit in heaven, bring you into the earth, and then try to figure out what he was going to do with you. The Bible teaches us that God, in fact, had a thought concerning you. He had an idea concerning you. The same way you have an idea concerning anything you create. When you create it, you want it to look a certain way. Some of y'all ever taken pottery classes or went to, you know, or, or went to the, to the, to the, uh, the wine and paint? I thought I could catch you. Got you. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, altar after church. No, but but some of y'all go to those little paint deals and 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 when and you have an idea of the way the picture should come out, but by the time you start painting, you realize that you don't have the ability to paint what you see, and and what's on your canvas is not like what's on the other person's canvas. Y'all are awfully giggly in here. Maybe I shouldn't have put the wine in paint. Y'all went ever been painting before? All right. So the you know, and this is the way. This is what happens when this is the way our lives are. Rather, when we are when we are trying to figure out something, 
when we're in the moment. What God does is God doesn't figure you out in the moment. God has an idea of who you should be. And when you get here, he demands that you become what he saw. He, so when he's done with the painting, you will not look different than what he thought about you becoming. Are you following what I'm saying? This is why it's important for us to understand the power of being the creative. Is that the creative, if the creative ever has something in his hands that does not come out the way he envisioned it, he views it as being wasteful. If you were cooking a cake for somebody's wedding and they told you that they wanted this three-level strawberry truffle whatever cake and in your head you would start and you start making this strawberry truffle cake and it came out two layers and it didn't have truffles and for whatever reason your strawberries were not fresh enough to make the cake what you envisioned it to be even though you did a lot of work most of us would look at that cake and throw it away because why because this is not here what I envisioned it to be here and if it does not become here what I saw it to be here then it's a waste of all of my energy and my time your life has to become what God saw here I'm gonna help y'all I'm gonna help y'all I'm gonna help y'all okay let's talk about hell somebody shout hell somebody shout hell I'm giving you permission shout hell uh, the thing that we don't like to talk about in church anymore. This idea of hell is an interesting idea because the people that we sent to hell are all people that are mean, evil, and bad people. And the reality of the Bible, if we understand hell correctly, it's not necessarily going to be filled with a bunch of people that are bad necessarily. Hell is not necessarily for the place that is bad. The idea of hell comes from the word Gehenna. What Gehenna is, is Gehenna represents the idea of what, uh, 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 of the, the first century's way of dumping trash. In the first century, they didn't have trash companies the way we have trash companies today. In the first century, they would go dig a huge ditch on the outside of the city. And when you had trash in your home, you would take it to the outside of the city, dump your trash. And every month, the government would come and they would set the trash on fire. They called that fire Gehenna. Gehenna is a place where waste things go. Gehenna is a place where you take the things that you no longer need and you dump them in there and you set them on fire. When the New Testament people began to talk about hell, they talked about Gehenna was the word that was being used. The lake of fire, Gehenna, which is the concept of what they're trying to get us to understand is that hell is not full of people that are really bad. Hell is full of cakes that did not become what the creator intended them to become. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. When God says that, hey, man, born again is a process of who I see you becoming. Walking with me is a part of the process of who I see you becoming. Also, living a life that gets closer to the idea of why I created you is what blesses God. God looks, and he has always had a problem with things that could not be what he, he envisioned them to be. They were wasteful to him, and he throws them in Gehenna or hell, not because they're so bad but because they are not becoming a part of the vision that God had for them when he created them am I messing y'all up real good I want you to understand God has always had a problem with what 
did not perform the way he created it. He took the unprofitable servant and said, I created you to be profitable. They said, well, what should we do with him? He said, throw him in the lake of fire where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He looked at the fig tree that did not have figs in its season. They said, what should we do to the fig tree? He said, I'll curse it, and it'll never produce fruit again. God has a problem with people becoming something other than what he envisioned them to be. I wish I had some help in here. Touch your neighbor real quick and tell him you got to be what God saw. You have to be what God saw. You have to become what God saw because God has a problem with you determining that God's way is too hard for your life. He's got a problem with people that determine that God's way is not making me enough money. He's got a problem with people determining that life has been too hard for me to become God's child. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the way ends in destruction. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it ends up in destruction. There is a way. There is a way for you to do your life that seems like this is the right decision I should be making after my flub up. But God says that the way that you see your life, if it is not in congruence with the way I see your life I will call your life a waste of life and we get back on track with God we walk in the vision of God we can become profitable and we can become something that God can use in this earth this is important because you will never become who God called you to be without a vision for your life that's given to you by God if you are insistent upon letting the newspaper tell you what you should be and letting the latest hip-hop artist tell you who you should be and letting the latest movie star tell you how you should be and, and your life is a failure if you're not doing what they're doing, then you misunderstand the Bible. All right? So I want to give you three things that help you understand what is required for you to be a person of vision. Somebody shout vision. It is important for you to be a person of vision. There are three things that are required in order for you to be a person of vision. Here's the first thing, is that vision requires all of you. Somebody shout all of me. Vision requires all of you. When you walk in a God vision, God does not allow portions of your journey to be engaged. God requires all of your life to be engaged in the vision for your life. You must bring your intellect to God's vision. You must bring your body to God's vision. You must bring your skill set to God's vision. You must bring your money to God's vision. You must bring your network to God's vision. You are not walking in God's vision if only part of you are showing up to the room. I wish I had some help in here. You are not walking in God's vision. God requires all of you. He requires every bit of you. Now, the, the, the challenge is, is that who we are does not always represent the enormity of what we've been dreaming. If we tell the truth, what God has you envisioning in your spirit, what God has been showing you in your heart is bigger than the person that you become in 2020. If you're going to tell the truth about it, you don't have enough money to pull it off. If you're going to be honest about it, you don't have the network around you to make it happen. If you're going to be honest about it, what is in your spirit is bigger than what's in your real life. But you have to understand the way that God operates with vision is that if God gives a vision for it, he has also provided potential for the vision to come to pass. Your vision is your assignment. 
I'm going to say that again. Your vision is your assignment. Your vision is why God put you in this earth. To Habakkuk, he called it the burden that was laid on top of me. When God gave him vision, he also gave him a burden. And a burden is the weight of a problem that's in the world. And when God was in heaven, he said, what burden can I put on that young man? What burden can I put on that young woman? Because when I birthed them into the earth, their job is going to be to solve the burden that I put in their spirit. And everywhere you go, you can never escape the burden that God has put in your spirit. I don't care if you pack up and move across the country, you're going to have a burden for what God has in your spirit. Why? Because God did not make your burden a geographical thing. He didn't make it a color thing. He didn't make it a gender thing. He made it a kingdom thing. God made your burden something that he could use for, to fix the bigger problem that's happening in the earth. And there is an expectation for men and women to walk in the vision that God gave them and to respond to the burden that God gave them. And when you respond to burden, you're, he calls it walking in my vision. Somebody tell your neighbor, I got a burden. I have a burden. And, some, and the truth be told, you walk past your burden all the time. Your burden is at work. Your burden is out in the streets. Your burden is at the grocery store. You probably sleep with your burden. Your burden looks like a problem in the world that you want to fix. It looks like an issue in the world that you want to handle. It looks like something in this world that you know that if you put your word on it or put your two cents on it, you can make it a little bit better. But the enemy makes you think that your burden problems are bigger than the burden problems that God has brought you in this earth to solve. And the reality is, is that not only do I have a burden for the world, I am a burden for somebody else. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. It's not a problem that you got a problem because your problem is probably my burden. So I'm called to heal you from what is burdening you, but you've got to operate in her burden because her burden is your solution. Are y'all following what I'm saying? So it's not a problem that we've got problems because somebody, I'm somebody's burden. And if I avail myself and stop lying to myself, I can help somebody walk in the vision of fixing burdens like mind but at the same time I will not be satisfied in my spirit if I'm not fixing the burden that God has laid on my on my heart so God told Habakkuk that I know you got this burden and I know that you're not going to be here forever so write down the vision about the burden and make it plain watch this so that people that's got a burden like you can see somebody that's got a vision on how to fix the burden and they can walk in vision that God has for their life. Touch your neighbor and say, I need you to walk in your vision. I need you to walk in your vision. That's the wrong neighbor. Find somebody and say, I need you to walk in your vision because I don't know where to go if you're not walking in your purpose. And I don't know where to connect if you're not walking in your purpose. I need you moving in your purpose for me to walk in my vision. I'm preaching better than the house is shouting amen. Watch this. So why is my vision bigger than my aptitude? Because my, my assignment or my vision determines my potential. You have to understand this, is that if God gives you vision, he also gives you potential. Now, potential is a thing that you have not operated in just as of yet and neither is your assignment your or your vision rather your vision is enormous it is a big thing that out 
governs and outweighs your abilities today. Vision is always about tomorrow. It's very rarely about today. You don't have enough today to handle all the big things God has out there for your tomorrow. So you have to understand that if God gave me vision, he has also given me potential. My assignment determines my potential. When I understand and perceive what my assignment is, then I walk into greater competencies of my potential. You've got to understand. The Bible says that he gave one five talent and another two ta uh, three talents then another he gave one talent the one with one talent don't get to look at the one with five talents and ask God if you gave me what you gave him then I'd be able to do something for the kingdom God says nope you don't understand that I gave you an assignment and if you walk in the potential of your assignment you will fulfill you will see that one is all that you can do even if you do everything you don't want to be a person in a five situation with a one person's competency y'all are not talking back to me in here you don't want to be in a bigger place see see I want you to understand I want you to understand how this works I used to sing in the choir when I was a child and and I sang in the choir and that's if I got next to somebody that could sing on key I could actually sing on key pretty good but what I realized is if somebody next to me wasn't in key we was this whole section was gonna have a problem because I could not lead the key wait a minute though but I liked the person that had the microphone by themselves I liked the fact that they got to stand out in front and I started to feel as a 14 year old why we got to be in the back and we just got to rock why we got to be the ones in the back and we got to clap on too why she don't have to clap on too and why she get a microphone and I'm over here sharing this microphone and your breath smell funny that's why the microphone smell funny and if and we ain't on key because you not on key and I was singing in the choir and desired to be watch this something that I did not have the competency to be so I raised my air about being a background and in rehearsal they gave me an opportunity to prove to myself that I was a one talent as it related to being a soloist and they were a five talent and maybe I realized the breadth of my potential being a background singer than trying to be somebody I'm not gifted or anointed by God to become. I know I'm preaching to somebody in here. Potential is about understanding who I am, what I can bring, what I offer. There's no use if you sitting in the audience saying, I could be that dude on stage and I could preach better than that guy on stage. And when we give you the opportunity to, you show us that you... Y'all not... that. Too, too much uh, no. so you are you hearing where I'm going with this it is critical that we understand that God sees that in the broader context of your world is that when he gives you an assignment he also gives you potential for that assignment however your assignment is always going to be bigger than your right now so what you see always looks like you can't do it what you see always look like I can't afford it what you see always looks like I don't have the man power for but what you see is not an indicator of what you have what you see is an indicator of who you could be that's why your potential your vision has to have faith because faith is what connects what you have right now with who you could be if you walked in your power as you are walking toward your purpose God starts to develop the competencies of who you could be some of us will never become who God calls 
called us to be because we won't take the step toward who God called us to be. And you, because you're so busy talking about who you're not right now and what I can't do right now and I don't have to look for it right now. Well, if you took a step forward, don't you know in the next season is your stylist? Your stylist say, you're talking about I don't have the look in 2020, but if you get to 2021, God's got a stylist that's waiting for you. But God, I don't have the speech to speak all over the nation, even though I see me preaching all over the nation. God is saying, if you keep walking toward what you see, don't you know I have a speech coach for you? On the other side of what you see, you cannot make a determination on your tomorrow by determining what you have in your life today because vision is connected to your potential, not connected to what you have right now. I need you to find somebody and tell your neighbor, I got potential. I got potential. I got the wrong neighbor. Find somebody and tell them, I have potential. You might not trust me right now, but I got potential for it. You might not believe it right now, but I got potential for it. I'm not walking in it right now, but I've got potential for it. And just because you hear me talk crazy doesn't mean that my crazy is not eventually going to be my reality because faith is the substance of things hoped for and it is the evidence of the thing I don't have or see yet but vision lets me see what I don't have and faith lets me have what I can barely see somebody shout I got vision tell your neighbor I got vision somebody shout I got vision and it's important to understand that my assignment determines my potential. And my potential, therefore, then, cannot be regulated by where I live in my right now. Who I can be, you can't determine who I can be based on what you see in my life. You look at my life right now and you say, hey, this is what you can be. The devil is a lie. God gave me vision so that I can see beyond my right now. He gave you vision so that you can see who you could be. And he wants you connected to what he has always seen about your life and not connected to your right now. You've got to understand that, is that God always wants you connected to who you're supposed to be and not connected to your right now. Don't you understand the way the devil works is the devil wants you to make determinations on your destiny based off of the condition that you're in right now? Don't you realize trouble doesn't last always? Don't you realize that eventually it's going to get better? Don't you realize that even though you're crying right now, weeping only endures for a night? I know it feels like it's going to be forever, but you're not going to be in trouble forever. Even the government lets you out of bankruptcy after seven years. You're not going to always be messed up. You're not going to, oh, I wish I had some help in here. The devil got you thinking, I'm always going to be broke. I'm always always going to be poor. I'm going to live in an apartment forever. I'm never going to have my independent money. I'm never going to start my business. Get yourself off of that crying stick and walk in the glory of the Lord. I'm exhausted with complaining Christians that have the potential for the kingdom but operate with the carnal mentality as it relates to their life. Tell your neighbor you got more. Your if you got a big assignment, that means you got big potential. If you got a big vision, that means you got big potential. And I'm no longer going to walk in my money. I'm going to walk in my vision. Because provision is chasing down people with vision. 
I want you to write this down. Write this down. Write this down. Ephesians 3 and 20. He says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly. Somebody help me read that. Abundantly. How? Above all that you can ask or think. The problem with the church is we have made you think that God will only give you what you ask. So I've got to figure out something to ask God in order for God to give me something. That is a flaw in religiondom. It makes you believe that if I cannot contrive what to ask, then God cannot give me what, what, what I sense in my spirit. The problem is you will never be able to ask God for what God really wants to do in your life. There are moments and seasons where God says, ask me and I'll give to you. But even if you ask him, it what he wants to give you is larger than your ability to ask him for it and if you ask in your carnal mind you will literally be asking according to what you can see but God wants you to ask according to the kingdom this is why this scripture blows me away he says now unto him who is able to exceed to do exceedingly abundantly above that we ask or even think we oftentimes put a period on the scripture right there but that is actually a comma in the scripture because he says according to the power that's working in us this is what God wants you to understand is that when you dream you dream according to your experience when you dream you dream according to your exposure so all I know to ask God is for what I've been exposed to the limits of what I've been exposed to I want to ask God for it but God says that what I want you to have goes beyond what you've been exposed to God help me in this place he says so I need you to ask me for what you're asking me for but expect what I'm about to give you because if you're asking according to what you've been through and what you've been exposed to then that is according to the power that is in your mind he say but I want you to ask according to the power that works in you pastor what is the power that works in me do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is in you working y'all not talking back to me in here God is saying that what I want you to ask for is according to the limits of the person that is operating in your life and God is saying that I don't have no limits and if you ask according to my power what you think you can't do you'll end up doing what you think you can't have you'll end up having because you're not asking according to the working of your hands you're asking according to the work that somebody shall by my by his spirit he said you're asking according to his spirit now this is powerful now because God said that you really don't have an ability to ask me according to my spirit because you only speak English or you only speak Spanish or you only speak Italian so the Bible says that I've got a language by which I can speak to myself because you don't have the words y'all are not talking back to me so I speak the word yes that was ghetto but it is what it is he said you will speak to me and I will speak to myself for the spirit gives groanings and that cannot be uttered so God is saying that because you will speak according to your experience I will speak according to eternity so I give you a language to speak according to eternity and instead of you talking to me I'll talk to me about you because I know what I have seen concerning your life and I know what I've heard concerning your life that's why the writer said eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard and neither has entered into the heart of man 
man because according to man you can't do your vision but according to the power of God it's already done I need I need somebody to raise their voice and give God a praise because it's already I need you to help me preach tell two people say it's already done it's already done I'm not just talking about my 2020. I got a vision for all the 20s. I got a vision from 2020 to 2029. My kids are going to college. My children are getting jobs. My family, y'all not talking back to me. I need somebody with Bible vision to raise your voice and give God a praise for your 10-year vision. 10-year vision. All right, all right. All right, son, tell your neighbor, say, my vi your vision requires all of you, all of you, all of you, all of you. You don't get big things with giving little input. You don't get next level things by having next little, a little input. You got to give your best self. So you got to get over your tears. And you have to get over your aches. And you got to get over your pettiness. Y'all don't act like the church don't be petty. We... Y'all ain't talking, I'm going to talk, y'all more spiritual than they are. You know how, how we get petty and we don't want to give our best because we feel some kind of way about who got to preach before I got to preach. And we feel some kind of way about who got to count the six cents that's going in the offering as opposed to when we got to count it. Or we feel some kind of way that these people that messed around and paid the price and said amen to what God called them to do get to sit in the front row and I got to start off in the second. We get petty and what we give God is a little bit less of our better version of ourselves and God is saying that I can't perform vision with a person that won't give me all of them touch yourself say all of me all of me touch yourself my mind's gotta come my attitude's gotta come my behavior's gotta come I gotta get over myself I gotta get past my mess I gotta work through my frustration I've gotta go I know I don't like it but I gotta do it anyhow and you can't dump on the thing that God wants to bless you with. So take your mouth off. Y'all not talking back to me. God's trying to bless you through that sister. You can't dump on that sister every time her name comes up. God's trying to bless you through that church. You can't talk crazy about that church every time the name comes up. You cannot curse what God is trying to use to bless you. That's why uh, y'all are not talking back to me. That's why Paul said, oh no man anything but to love them. I love you. Why? Because I might need you in order to bring the vision God has to pass in my life. Am I preaching to anybody in here? Vision requires all of you. All of your potential. The second thing is that vision, write this down, write this down. Vision requires passion. Somebody shout passion. Vision requires passion. The Bible says in the book of Nehemiah that the people worked with all of their heart. Somebody shout heart. They didn't just work with their mind. They didn't just write a check and keep it moving. They didn't just show up and give their body, but didn't give the, the most intimate parts of their being. The Bible says that when Nehemiah grabbed the children together to build a wall for the kingdom of God, that they worked with all their heart. In other words, they put their soul into it. They put their energy into it. If they gave one dollar, it had the power and the heart behind somebody that gave a million dollars. They wanted to 
see the wall erected. They wanted to build the wall so much to the degree that the Bible says that they would build with one hand and had a sword on their hand with the other hand because they were saying that I'm not afraid to fight and build at the same time. The problem with the 21st century church is all we want to do is fight and don't want to help build nothing. I'm not, that ain't the city of hope, but I'm talking to, and I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to the person next to you and the people behind you. Is that all we want to do is fight. We don't want to build nothing. And we're looking say, how come we haven't built anything? And instead of looking and seeing how much blood you have on your sword and realize that you've been fighting more than you've been building, you don't understand the dynamic of what God is trying to do. When you walk in the vision of God for your life, it is a fine balance between building what God wants you to build and fighting for what God has put in your spirit but you don't arbitrarily fight and you don't arbitrarily build you must build and fight at the same time I need to talk to somebody that's had to fight for some stuff in their household I want to talk to people that had to fight for their mind fight for their sanity fight for their position fight for their standing fight for their family fight for their marriage not only am I fighting when you fight and you win now you've got to build something with what you fought for. God, I wish I had some help in here. You do all that fighting to get the position and then you don't do nothing. Now you got the position. Am I helping anybody in here? You do all that fighting to get the man and you don't do nothing to build the man. You do all that fighting to get the woman and you don't build yourself so that you can build the woman. God is he's exhausted with people that are fighting for the sake of fighting and building for the sake of building. They were a people that worked with all their heart. Have you ever, you ever, you know what? Here's the thing. One of the reasons why when I go home before my grandmother, you know, got got a lot older I used to go home and I would always ask her to make me a lemon pound cake now y'all know I got an affinity for lemon pound cakes and it's it's it's, an, it's it's you know it's 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 just the way God uses me and it's one of those things where he anoints the cake and when he wants to anoint me he puts me in the space where there's gonna be some anointed cake amen and my grandmother would make it and I and, and one of the things the cake wasn't just good because it was good it was good because of what went into her making the cake. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but I want you to indulge me for a few minutes because vanilla extract is vanilla extract and flour is flour and vanilla is vanilla and icing is icing. But there is a difference between vanilla extract that's being poured by somebody that don't want to do it versus somebody that... I'm preaching better than y'all shouting amen. There is a difference between somebody that's making something and, they, and they're putting their heart into it. And what you taste is not just a good cake. You taste respect and you taste love and you taste adoration and you taste protection. I wish I was preaching to somebody that knew what God. See, God is exhausted with people giving the church their duty. God wants people to give the church their heart. God wants you. Y'all are not. Pre I'm preaching better than you saying amen. God wants people to serve with all their heart and give with all their heart and stand with all their heart. God wants people to, when, when I greet you at the door, you feel the love. When I give to your hand, you feel the love. When I preach it to you, you sense that there's more than just a sermon happening. There's a transfer of spiritual vitality. Am I talking to anybody in this house? Somebody shout, it requires passion. Your vision is going to require you to empty yourself out into it. 
Why are you going down to that church so much? Why are you, why are you giving so much to your business? Why do you stay up so late? Because that's what it takes. Passion is a funny thing. Because passion, passos is, the, is the, uh, uh, the, the word, the Latin word. And passion is a funny thing. Because in America, when we think about passion, we think about inspiration. And we think about the energy to do something. And when we talk about passion in, a, in the Western world, that's what we mean when we say passion. But that word is built off of a Latin word. And that Latin word doesn't mean inspiration and excitement to do something or vitality to do something at all. Passion literally means suffering. It means suffering. The passion of Christ is about the suffering of Christ. You ever wonder why they called it the passion? It's called the passion is the suffering. Passion, you can never uh, you can never reap the rewards of operating in your passion without there being suffering attached to it. God, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I need you to get me. I need you to get me. I need you to get me. Is that in this in in our in our in our microwave world, in our turn it upside down 20th century world world where everything should happen overnight and everything should happen within a weekend's time. We have not allowed God to season and to process and to grow us to the de- to the degree that we will stick to anything for an extended period of time. I need you to understand how it operates. And I consider myself kind of a bridge between old school and new school but I was in ministry for an umpteenth amount of years before I ever took the stage as a pastor I used to carry backpacks and carry uh, uh, briefcases I used to wipe foreheads down I used to make sure that my bishop's office was cleaned up before he came in every Sunday morning and if I by chance I had to stay ready every Saturday night because if he walked in on Sunday morning and didn't feel like preaching he looked down at me and said go do something with the church today and I had to respond and it wasn't always comfortable and it wasn't always okay and there were times where I wanted to do some other things Bishop I'm going to go to the ball game but I want you to preach but it's Saturday night so I need you but I need you to preach and I understood that the pain of the humility of what God was requiring from me was helping me birth a vision that was within me and it, it became my passion because I had to give up stuff in order to be good at this y'all are not talking back to me I had to give up stuff in order to become good at what God has called me to do and the reason why we're not good is because we don't like to suffer with what God has called us to do so now we just read stuff from the paper and there's no spirit behind it we just sing what's on the song sheet and there's no soul behind it oh I know this ain't you this ain't you this is somebody else but when God talks about passion he is trying to get us to understand who is willing to suffer for my name's sake so that my vision can come to pass in your life. In other words, when it's going good, don't tell me you've got passion for it. When you get to your breaking point, don't tell me you've got passion for it. It's on the other side of your failure where God will realize if you got passion or not because it's all good when you get up to a failure and you can quit while you're in the failure but that doesn't mean that you're consistent or you've got passion. It's when you get on the other side of your worst season and you get to yourself and you say but I still got a calling on my life is where God is able to say that that person has passion because they suffered and they still see that I'm trying to use them for the next level of my purpose y'all are not talking back to me in here is there anybody in this house that have suffered for what God is trying to do in your life tears so that you can have children in college breakdown so that you can have a marriage that works heartache so that you can have a church that's 
being built up God's way. God is looking for people that are willing to suffer for the vision of God to come to pass. Now watch what he says in the word of God. He says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Anybody that's waiting for it to be comfortable and easy and doesn't cost you nothing, he said, you're going to lose your purpose. You're going to lose your reason. But for the one that loses his life for my sake, for my purpose, for my reason, if you're willing to give up your comfort, so to say, God, I got you. If you're willing to give up your easement for, to say, God, I got you. God is ready to bless the person that's willing to say, God, bring on the pain because my destiny is an indicator, being a, a, I, my pain rather is an indicator of what God is trying to do in your destiny. And if you can manage the pain of right now, God can propel you to the blessing of your destiny so you can't give up when it hurts. Last thing, number three, shout number three. He says vision requires clarity. Somebody shout clarity. Somebody shout clarity. Vision requires clarity. I was baffled in, in the book of Jeremiah because in the book of Jeremiah, God tells him, he says, before I formed you and put you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He said, I had a thought about you. I had a thought about where you was going to be, how you'd be operating in this world. I didn't, you're not here arbitrarily. He says, I want you to get up. I want you to move, and I want you to operate as a prophet of God. And Jeremiah said to God, he looked at God, and he told God, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa there, heaven. He said, I am a youth. I'm too young for this. You want me to go out, and you want me to share the gospel and tell people about it? about you and then you got the nerve to want me to go and, and tell people that you're going to judge them if they don't say amen to what I'm saying he said wait a minute now I live in a, in a patriarch society where the older the man the more respect he has and you sending me to people that are, are that outrank me outclass me outage me he said hold on a second God watch this you must not know who you are talking to <clears throat> you got the wrong kid don't you realize that I am just 17 years old. And God looked him back in the face and God said to him, uh, don't tell me you're youth. I'm aware of it. He said, don't tell me you're poor. I'm aware of it. Don't tell me you ain't got the money. I know. He said, don't tell me you grew up on the wrong side of the hood. I get it. Don't tell me, but I've been divorced. He said, I, I, I understand. But don't tell, but God, I got debt. Listen, God said, God told him, he said, listen, don't think that you're going to tell me something I don't already know about you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So the real problem is not, he, see, his real problem was not that he was, that he felt some kind of way about God knowing. Jeremiah didn't want other people to know. And uh, I wish I had some help in here. See, God wants to use you, but you so you're so afraid of what people are going to say about you when they find out the real story. You so, you so, you so, you so, when people find out the real truth of what happened, God is saying, hey, look, I bless you, but you got to tell them just how bad it really was. And you're like, but God, I don't really want people to know that, you know, I don't really want people to know how bad it really was. He says, I don't want people to know. And God says, watch what he says in verse 10. God says, hey, maybe you don't understand, but this day I set you over the nations and I set you over the kingdoms. And, and I did this to root 
them out and for you to pull down and for you to destroy and for you to throw down and for you to build and for you to plant. He said, I want you to understand that. He said, so, so watch what God says to him. God says, uh, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. That's verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And then as we go from 5, he says, uh, 5, 6, and 7, he says, but Lord, I'm just a youth. I can't believe that you want me to do something like this. I'm too young to pull this off. God tells him in around verse 7 and 8, he says, don't tell me you're just a young person. Don't tell me. Don't give me your excuse. Walk in my vision. He says, and now I want you to understand my vision. In my vision, I set you over nations and I set you over kingdoms. In my vision, I set you to root out and to pull down and to destroy. He says, can it get any clearer than that? From that moment forward, Jeremiah did not have a choice but to walk in what God called him to walk in because Jeremiah had clarity of what God required of him. He knew the vision that God had for him and Jeremiah did not have an opportunity to be somebody else because God God has given him with clarity what he should be operating in. You can tell me you don't know, but I'm going to challenge what you're saying you don't know. God wants you to sit with what he's been putting in your spirit because God has been specific to you as he has been to Jeremiah about who you should be helping and how you should be serving and where you should be serving. The issue is how many excuses have you been making to not walk in what God has told you to walk in? And God is saying, don't tell me that is blurry because by my spirit I have made it clear to you now get up and walk and do it and if there's any time where, where Jeremiah looks and says well I'm not walking over kingdoms and I'm not talking to nations and I'm not rooting people out and I'm not pulling people up and I'm not destroying things and I'm not throwing things down and I'm not building that is the litmus test he's able to look at his life and say that I'm out of God's will because God made it very clear how how he should be operating and when he understands the vision if he does anything outside of the vision he has cast off restraint and the Bible says that my people perish because of a lack of knowing what they should be doing however God said that where there is vision y'all are not talking back to me where there is no vision the people cast off restraint or they stop doing what God has revealed to them to do and God says that your vision requires clarity he said what I've done is so big you got to meet me in the fast and you got to meet me in the prayer how many of y'all been fasting with us you've got to meet me in my fast and you have to meet me in the prayer life because I'm trying to show you with clarity where your burden is and how you should be operating with this burden otherwise you will have vision you will have no vision and you won't die you will just cast off restraints well, the vision, there's no vision of people perish. That's what the King James says. The original language says they cast off restraint, meaning that they have no discipline. They, they do this, and then they do that. And then when somebody gives them another dollar fifty, they do this. And when somebody gives them an extra quarter, then they do that. And then when somebody gives them an extra 99 cents, they do this. And what happens, unfortunately, is for people that stay consistent with the vision of God, they stay in one place, and they dig deeper. They dig deeper. They dig deeper waiting for the oil they dig deeper they dig deeper and they look up and they dig deeper and when you have a conversation with them you can barely hear them because they're so deep in God's vision for their life because they've been digging and the person that doesn't have vision that casts off restraint with no clarity it's not that they don't dig they just got three foot holes in ten different places 
they got ten, three, they got three foot holes in twenty different places. Y'all not talking back to me. And it's and watch this. And it's not that that he's got a shovel and that other person doesn't. And it's not that he's working any harder than you working. And you look at God and say, but God, I work just as hard as they work. And God, I got a hard hat and a shovel just like they have a hard hat and a shovel. And I go to ground just like they have a ground. And the difference is not how hard they work. And the difference is not that they're willing to work. The difference is that they had a vision and they didn't keep every time it got off. Y'all not. I'm not talking to anybody in here. Nobody wakes up and has a 25-year marriage. They just keep digging in one place. Ooh, Jesus. You just keep digging in one place. Or you can get mad every two years. Uh, uh, am I helping? Uh-huh. Uh, or every eight years. And you can, get, you can get mad, and you can look up, and you'll be... And you'll be 60, and you'll be like, but God, I tried to give my best of me to a good woman and to a good man, and God will be having a, a, a conversation with you like he had at the woman at the well. well. Well, go get the one you've been digging into. She said, but, but I, haven't been, I haven't really been, I haven't really given myself to a church. I haven't really given myself to a ministry. I, I haven't really been giving myself to... He said, he said, you're right, you're right, you're right. In fact, you got membership to five of them. Y'all ain't talking back to me. And, and the one you sitting in now, if the preacher don't get up to preach this Sunday, you leaving that one. Am I helping? Or maybe... Or maybe it's not just your church. Maybe it's how many times you started your business. You're doing purses this summer. Now you're doing earrings. And nobody's buying earrings, so now you're going to do dresses. And everybody's buying dresses. Now you're going to shift over and say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to do flowers. Am I helping you? <clears throat> or maybe, or maybe, or maybe God is saying to us, go on a fast. And get the vision the way I've got it for your life and get clarity on it not because you're not working we know you work but so you can be digging a deep hole so that when I get ready to bless your children they're closer to the oil than you are they're closer to the eureka than you are are you hearing what I'm saying somebody shout vision stand to your feet all over this place you are the product of vision and you have vision you have vision and you are a product of vision I want you to hear me I want you to hear me man here's the funny thing see what religion works on is religion works on behaviors and religion keeps a check on how many behaviors you do right is she dressing right is her makeup too too Jezebel-ish Did we use Jezebel for makeup? Who we use for makeup? Jezebel? Jezebel just cover everything we don't like, right? Yeah, we just call everything we don't like Jezebel. You know, everything, if you're a woman, everything we don't like, you Jezebel. Well, what do we call men? Oh, 
We don't hold them accountable. Oh. We don't hold them accountable. So, so, so religion keeps checking off all the, she didn't come four Sundays out of last month. She came three. She keeps checking people. Look, at, look how tight his jeans are. She, she, she didn't do her hair even though she got six children she tired and asked me how I know I got three and I'm tired I almost went to see Elizabeth last night as a matter of fact some of y'all too young to know what that is yes yes I thought I was going to, coming, to, coming to join her how many of y'all got that how many of y'all got that? Okay. All right. All right. I don't see you too young for that. Y'all too young for that. Y'all too young for that. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Y'all too young for that. So, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something more current to help y'all understand. Yeah. And that's what religion does. Religion checks the boxes of behavior. And it's a hard thing to do all the behaviors when there is nothing bigger guiding your behaviors. It's really hard to do all the behaviors of a marriage if you don't see marriage as a God thing. If you don't see the church as a God thing, it's really hard to do all the things the church asks you to sow consistently, to give, to be at your best self, to love people, and to, 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 to be here consistently. It's, all, it's hard to do all those things if all you see it is in isolation with what I got to do this day of my life. But, but here's the thing. When I was in college, we had guys that came from all walks of life, and some of these guys... If the truth be told, they were criminals. They had no morals. They had no foundation for life. They had a track record as long as my arm. And they got through four years of college with no incidents. Because a coach helped them see the vision of who they could be. And the enormity of the vision of going to bowl games and winning big big games and stadiums being full and maybe even going to the National Football League one day the big vision watch this governed their behavior they behaved because they had a vision for their life now it wasn't the other way around because we got people behaving or we, they make you think they're behaving we got people that are trying to do it, but they don't see the big picture of what God's trying to do. And God works from the top down. That's why he can forgive bad behavior. But he has a problem with the fig tree that's not producing what he saw it doing. Jesus, help me in this place. Am I helping anybody? I need you to get what I'm saying. I need you to get what I'm saying. And when we have a vi bigger vision of realizing like, man... This is what God wants to do with the City of Hope and the National Church. This is what God wants to do with our church. This is what God wants to do with my marriage. This is what God wants to do with me. This is what God wants to, my, my, one of my closest friends in this world, he was over 450 pounds and one day he got a vision for how God really wanted to use him. And he realized that the way I am now, I can't be used the way I see myself. 
and he's and he has he has lost a half a human. He's uh, he's under 250 pounds now. Because now, watch this. He's been big a long time. He's had a church a long time. But he finally caught the vision of what God was trying to do with his life. And he said, and and his vision governed his behavior. I wonder would you get up on time if you saw how big God's vision was for your life. I, I wonder, I wonder would you speak to your wife better if you realize what God was trying to do, the big thing he's doing in your marriage. Would you, would you, would you treat people the way God ordered us to treat people if you saw how big the picture is? Would you give to the kingdom? If you realize how big it could really be. But you gotta have vision for it. 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 Lift those hands all over this building. I gotta get you out of here. I wanna pray for people right in your seats. I wanna pray for you. I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to pray for people now because God is about to govern the rest of your life. The next decade is about to be governed by the vision that you thought God forgot about. Life hurt and it cut off the lights and you couldn't see it. And in 2020, God said, I'm cutting, I'm turning the light back on so you can see what I believe about you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Sir, ma'am, what God is about to show you is not just going to govern your 2020. He's trying to govern the next 10 years of your life. He's ready to set you up so that the world might know that God's handprint has been on your life. These next 10 years are going to be crucial and you're going to have to make decisions that are risky and decisions that are going to cause you to walk in faith and you're going to have to let some things go and you're going to have to let some people go but, and you're going to have to fast more and you're going to have to honor what God is saying in your spirit and trust him with it even if it doesn't make sense because God is saying that what I'm doing right now is not laying the foundation for 2020. You thought this fast was for 2020. This fast is for all of the 20s. God's not going to let this fast off the hook until December 31st, 2029. So you better see something. You better open your eyes and see something. You better stop letting TMZ tell you what to chase. Stop letting your emotions tell you who to chase. In the name of Jesus, I decree it, I declare it. I don't care how big it is, you talk about it. And you keep talking about it until you find people that can buy into it. I don't care how much it scares you, you pursue it. If they say no, you say thank you. You're just the way that God is not going to bless me. He must want to bless me through somebody else. No doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. I'm learning that while I'm preaching to you. Exceedingly, abundantly, all that you have asked or can even think according to the power that works 
within you, God, I'm sorry I've been asking you based on what I want. What do you want? I've been asking you based off of somebody I saw on TV. I don't want what they have. I don't want to do what they've been doing. I want you to build it out of me. I want you to take a brick from my heart and put it in the foundation you built for my life. In the name of Jesus Christ. And God told me to tell somebody in this room that he hadn't forgotten because the labor went on a lunch break doesn't mean that he didn't want to finish the house. So whatever you have been hiding, whatever you've been ducking from, whatever you've been, whatever caused you to stop working, God says it's time to get back and get in it and finish what I told you to start. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's why I couldn't kill you, sir. That's why I couldn't kill you, woman. That's why I didn't destroy you. Because God's not finished with what he saw in your life. Yeah, your little reputation took a little hit. You'll be all right. Yes, it's a little pain. It's going to pass. It's just pain. Yes, yes, you're messing with your money right now, but you can make more money. Uh-huh. All these things that the devil makes you think you can never get past, the devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. By the time you get ready to walk into what you're really going to walk into, they're going to have a new surgery for that. Oh, I'll never be able.